Thanks for tuning in to Too Much Screen Time, a podcast for TV buffs and cinephiles who have no problem spending too much time on their screens. If you're looking for some in-depth conversation about the latest TV and movies, you've come to the right place. I'm joined by my co-hosts Alex, Shante, and Dave. I'm Anselm. Let's dive in. So guys, it's, it's 2021. We recorded this episode on February 9th, 2021. And despite uh, what COVID tried to do to film and television, there are still so many incredible, uh, so much, so much incredible content coming out in 2021. Some of it has already come out, uh, but we still have, you know, about 11 months, almost 11 months left of incredible film and television to come out. And we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be sharing our top five most anticipated films or TV shows coming in 2021. Now, as I'm sure you all realize, as you'll even hear from some of the films and tel- and TV shows that we'll choose today, uh, the film industry as, right, right now, as is everything, is kind of at the mercy of how things go with, with COVID. So you'll be hearing some, I'm sure you're going to hear some titles today that were meant to come out in 2020 that got pushed to 2021. And some of the things we talk about today might get pushed to 2022. Uh, But hey, that's showbiz for you. So we are still going to share the stuff that we are really excited about. And uh, we'll follow up with it later and see how the year turned out. So I just want to lay a quick ground rule for how we're going to do this. Uh, Each of us are going to go go around the table and we're going to share our from number five down to one of our most anticipated films and TV shows. If somebody calls, if someone says a a title that is on your list, rather than waiting for your turn to come back around, if let's say if it's in a different position or a different number, uh, we'll just hop in and talk about it right there. Did y'all set any ground rules for yourself? Like any... Like, do you set any limits on your list? Because I know for my, for me, I uh, purposely avoided movies that I like the 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 big blocks, the big blockbusters, the obvious titles. I like because I I, I knew I didn't want to like get my top three actual most anticipated films out of the way in the first like five minutes. So I, I purposely chose things that are a little more like out there. Uh, to kind of one, because I, I knew that the big films were going to get attention anyway, right? So, um, but did y'all set, do anything similar with your lists? Like have any rules or whatever? Nope, I do whatever I want. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's why you win. You'll get, if you're not getting your blockbuster fix from Ansem, don't worry, I have you covered. Oh yeah, no, me too. Uh, Ansem, you're a stronger man than me. I, I couldn't make those cuts. So I I just I knew that like you know there we've got some really really big films that are we have huge franchise films coming out from phenomenal directors so I'm just like I'm let me try to like go towards some of these smaller quieter uh films here um, I appreciate that I actually feel like I'm such an indie film fan, like independent film, but a lot of those films don't have trailers way in advance, if at all sometimes. So those are kind of just like scrolling through Netflix or whatever, and you're like, oh, what's this? And that's how I find those. So I'm sure there's a lot out there that I'm just not going to find till I find, you know what I mean? So maybe you got some of those. All right. So we're going to hop in. Shantae, what's your number five? So number five is a movie I hadn't heard of until today. And there wasn't a trailer for it, but I saw the cast and I got me curious. So I did some research without further ado. It's called Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. It's labeled as a comedy satire starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, tons of other people in the cast. I'll tell you after. But it basically sounds like it's um, two low-level astronomers attempting via media tour to warn mankind about an asteroid that will destroy the earth. And some of the other people in it are Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Matthew oh Perry, I mean, like, Tyler Perry. I'm like, what is this movie? I'm predicting, because like I said, there's no trailer. There's nothing, at least that I've seen. I was looking. They do um, have like a, like a three second clip um, oh, that okay. Netflix has shared of like, it's like a five second clip of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence in like a um, airplane and the airplane uh-huh. back is like 
going down and they just like look at each other and that's like it that's it okay oh my i'm thinking that since it's saying it's like a v um a media tour and it's a satire that all the a lot of these celebrities are going to be playing themselves and maybe we're just going to see uh. like what influence they have um like maybe their strategy will be to like go and uh, see if we can get like some influencers or something like that. That's my guess because I just feel like this cast. Who, who? What? What role does Ariana Grande have in this film? Like, I'm so confused. cameo. Got to be a cameo. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I'm definitely getting like Anchorman vibes from this. You know, um, where they just have like this massive cast and all these like mini cameos of these huge celebrities. Um, but I think one of the reasons why this was on my list too is because. Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence leading an Adam McKay movie, like a comedy movie. Like that's just, I'm so intrigued. Like why them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to give Leo another chance to really like, you know, I guess dive into the role, show us his, his comedy acting chops, but I'm excited. Jennifer Lawrence is funny though. If you've ever seen her actually mm-hmm. do interviews, she is pretty hilarious and she doesn't hold anything back. She's, she has, she's pretty unedited. So it would, I'm actually, I'm excited for Jennifer Lawrence. I think this is in her wheelhouse and we're going to actually see her expand on what I've seen her do in yeah. real life. All right. So I'll go next. Uh, so my number five is uh, a film that I remember here. This is one of those films that I heard about on a podcast last year um, that I was reminded of today, and it's called Annette by Leos Leos Carax. He did um, what was that film that he did? Uh, Holy Motors, uh, which was like one of his big films. Uh, probably one of his like most well-known films uh, to date. I don't really know what that film is up too much about, but uh, what really drew me to this film were the plot and the characters. One, it's a musical, and it stars Adam Driver as a stand-up comedian, and Marion Cotillard, who plays his wife and is a world-famous soprano, and their life becomes, uh, I don't know what happens with their life, but it takes an unexpected turn when their daughter, Annette, is born, and their daughter has this unique gift. So, again, this sounds like such a, a, a I'm trying to think of, of, of a movie that came out that I really loved and that I went for. It, 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 oh, you know what? Uh, the Lighthouse. The Lighthouse, when I first heard the premise about The Lighthouse, about two old sailor type guys, you know, Robert, and, and, the, and, the, and the cast, like Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe in a lighthouse going crazy, like, I was, what in the world is this movie? I have to see it. And that was exactly what I felt like when I heard about this film. It's a musical with, I mean, Adam Driver is probably one of my favorite actors acting today. Anything that he's in, I'm going to see it because he is so incredible. Um, and and he showed off his singing chops in uh, Marriage Story. So I was like, oh man, if I can get more uh, Adam Driver singing uh, company, that'd be <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, but I guess he's playing a stand-up comedian there. But it just sounds like a really cool, interesting story. I think it's going to be one of those kind of like what the heck kind of films. And mm-hmm. I'm totally for it. So that's my number five, Annette. Alex? Yeah, so, uh, so my number five is the suicide squad um nice so i am not a big dc fan obviously dc has just spit out trash um <laughs> okay this is coming from somebody that doesn't watch the animated stuff okay <laughs> oh my gosh okay so excluding animated because i haven't seen it but i'm talking feature length films um, absolute trash. Also, not true. Let's also be. Oh, we, this is on my list, but we'll, we'll fight off. We'll fight later. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, wait, I'll okay. Name name one. Name one DC movie that has come out recently that is not trash. Man of Steel, Shazam, Aquaman was pretty good. Shazam yeah. trash, Aquaman trash, Man of Steel. Okay. The Ultimate Edition of Batman versus Superman. 
<laughs> there's a different edition. No, that's, that's so that's trash. The, Zach, David, the, you're not getting away with that Zach, one, David. Zach, the Snyder cut. Snyder cut. Especially when, especially when the Justice League Snyder cuts happening, you want to isolate an entire group of people. Start oh, about. I, I could not care less about about the DC fandom. I say all this because the Suicide Squad made my top five. Um, Which we agree. I'm, why, it's on my top five too. So, so the reason why this is on my top five. And this is my number five is because James Gunn and James Gunn alone. Yes. Um, they were smart by bringing in someone who knows what he's doing, um, who knows how to bring an ensemble cast and incredible storytelling. Uh, he knows how to make something funny, gritty, just balance all these different genres. Guardians of the Galaxy was one of my favorite films of that year when it came out. And so James Gunn has just earned so much respect for me, turning these no-name characters into something great, some like household names. Um, so, you know, looking at the cast, we got Margot Robbie returning as Harley Quinn. We got Joel Kinman uh, returning as Rick Flagg. We got um, uh, Viola Davis returning as Amanda Walker. We have Jai Courtney returning as Captain Boomerang. They're returning from the trash Suicide Squad, but I believe that James Gunn is going to make their characters awesome. And then we have an ensemble cast of all these new actors uh, coming to the, the screen with Taika Waititi, Sylvester Stallone, Idris Elba, Pete Davidson, uh, Nathan Fillion, just uh, incredible. John Cena, like they released a featurette of this movie, um, like a three minute featurette behind the scenes. And I'm just like so excited. Um, it got me so hyped and I'm like, I think James Gunn could do something great. So, uh, I am very excited to see what he does. Hopefully this can kind of help pivot, uh, the direction that DC is headed and, um, and make something great happen. Um, so Dave, you said this was on your list. What number was this for you? This was number three for me. So oh, wow. I saw the trailer back in DC fandom. I got to watch a panel that they did, uh, over the summer of 2020 and you could just tell that it was already going to be. It's hilarious. It looks wild. It's full of action. I'm sure it has a really big budget because of all the explosions that you even see in the trailer. And it's just going to be one of those films that you're going to want to watch over and over. I mean, Alex said it. James Gunn is so great at making unknown characters and making them, making you care about them. I mean, he made people care about a talking tree, right? And people didn't even know who Groot was unless you were a fan of the Guardians comics. But anyways... So yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited. Margot Robbie can, she's, anytime she shows up as Harley Quinn, it's just, it's fantastic. So it's really cool that she is one of the characters that is coming from Suicide Squad into uh, James Gunn's vision for it. And then finally, I'm not sure if you all watched the animated Harley Quinn show, but it has King Shark. Oh, it was one of my favorite characters. So I'm really looking forward to getting a live action King Shark rip some people to shreds. So nice that was my number cool. three well dave you haven't shared your number five with us yet what, what's your number five my number five is a show i told you way back that i i like to watch a lot of dark tv and this is about as dark as television comes so um the, my number five is ozark ozark is coming in at its final I season think about ozark oh my gosh well, sorry continue yeah. <laughs> It, it, it wraps up its final uh, fourth season. They're doing it two part, 14 episodes where they're splitting it in half. But I mean, this is a show that just it, each season after season just seems to be getting better and better. And I'm all in on it. I think it just it gives some of the greatest performances, especially season three, um, how Laura Linney's character as um, Wendy Bird, she just blew it out of the water. So all of the the stuff and the decisions that she made in season three, we saw this, like it led to this climactic cliffhanger at the end of season three and have just has me, I'm, I'm all in. I can't wait to see how this show yeah. ends. This um, empire that they've built, the connections that they've made and the horrible decisions that they made, especially in season three, things that Ugh. they cannot go back on. I also just want to give a little bit of love to Tom Pelfrey. Just one more time. Y'all y'all know how I feel about Tom Pelfrey. You played uh, Wendy's brother in Ozark. I don't even remember his name. I just call him Tom. I think it was Ben, right? Ben, yeah. something like that. I just call him Tom. Because Tom, like, he, he left nothing. He left everything on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he poured. This guy had to play a bipolar man who in one second was like, raging stark raving mad 
to crying the next moment to laughing to gentle like this guy was robbed he's got no love in the award season and it hurts my heart i think that's that's years down the line society's gonna look back at its mistakes it's gonna probably say you know what tiktok was probably a mistake <laughs> the way that we handled COVID 19 mistake oh absolutely but at the top of that list how we treated Tom Pelfrey in the 2020-2021 award season. A huge mistake. And, you know, that's I'm there for that. I couldn't agree more. The most underrated performance of the year. Um, you know, my sister's girlfriend is a, uh, she has a doctorate in psychology from Harvard. And she said that his performance was one of the most accurate displays of bipolar disorder that she's ever seen wow. on screen. Um, and so she just raved about his performance and rightly so. I mean, he was remarkable and he's not getting any love this award season. Cool. So those are our number fives. Shante, what's your number four? My number four is you season three. Are you guys you fans? I'm a huge fan of you. I totally forgot about you. I watched season one okay. um, and kept seeing myself in it. And I was like, ah, I can't keep watching. Because you look like him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or because you're a murderer <laughs> no well no no i'm just kidding no because i look like him i'm like i uh, and yeah, you know single weird. guy in a city i'm like all right this is just like yeah. <laughs> too close <laughs> too to home weird. yeah well if you see that i imagine all the girls around you see it too <laughs> it's like not. the glass shattering for myself if i'm being honest <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> No, but, uh, but yeah, you, it's a great show. I definitely think, I mean, I, I, okay. Some people say it's problematic because obviously it's about a stalker and a lot of people on the internet have romanticized him. I am, I, I have not, but I still enjoy the thorough storytelling. It's just a thriller, man. And it's, I really do think it's unpredictable and season two, not going to lie. Wasn't as good as season one, but I'm still I'm still a fan. It doesn't have a release date yet, unfortunately. It still says TBD. What I found is that they've actually started recording or like filming. So oh, I'm awesome. hoping towards the end of the year we'll get it. But I've been waiting a while for that. I'm not going to ruin this for anybody, but anybody who saw season two saw it left on a huge, huge, huge oh, cliffhanger. Yeah. So I can't wait. Yeah. Well, when you cast a, an Alex Torres lookalike for the lead role, what do you expect? Like, people are going <laughs> to fall in love with him. I, like, what do you expect? So, um, so yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, my number four is another film, and it's Last Night in Soho, uh, by uh, directed by Edgar Wright. So, Edgar Wright, he's done one of my, I think, a film that's in my top 20 might even be my it comes in and out of my top 10 scott pilgrim versus the world absolutely love i absolutely love his style of directing he did of course shawn of the dead hot fuzz um he did baby driver which also was like a super you know well directed movie i feel like it was a i feel like baby driver was an underrated movie for its time i i, I don't feel like it got the buzz that it, it that it deserved for just the technicality behind it um but you know he, he's known for these kind of like wild ideas, or maybe for these for these high concept you know films that are very technically well carried off, and so he is dabbling in horror with the film Last Night in Soho. So I'll read the uh, the premise for you here. It's about a young girl who is passionate about fashion design, who mysteriously enters the 1960s where she encounters her idol a dazzling wannabe singer, but 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. Let me read the, this, this cast list for you. We have Anya Taylor-Joy, who is the it girl, the it woman uh, of actresses. She's in everything. She was in Split, um, the Emily Shyamalan film. She was in The Queen's Gambit, a very popular TV show from uh, that's streaming on Netflix uh, that came out uh, in the past few week, past few months. So, you know, she she is everywhere, and so I'm really excited to see her in this. We've got uh, Thomason Harcourt McKenzie, so she's gotten a lot of love too. She was in um, what was that movie with uh, with Ben Foster, uh, where 
her dad leave is no trace. Here. Yes, leave no trace. Where they 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 they're kind of survivalists, if you will, living in the woods. Like so, that was her breakout film. She's here. My second favorite doctor, Matt Smith, the Doctor Who, so you Whovians out there, Doctor Who fans, he's in this. So um, not only am I excited about the cast, I'm excited about uh, Edgar Wright's direction of a film that some are saying is uh, has some kind of don't look now vibes or like um, repulsion vibes, the two like famous, uh, very creepy psychological horror films from like the 70s and I think the 80s or 90s. And so I'm really excited to see what he does uh, with his content. And I think this is another one of those films where it's like TBA as far as like, when is it coming out? Oh, nope, sorry, there is actually a release date, October 22nd. So let's hope that that stays where it is. But yeah, that's my number four, Last Night in Soho. So my number four was Shantae's number five, um, Don't Look Up. Ooh, Dave, what's your number four? So my number four is another television uh, show that is finally getting its due. It's another dark TV show, but it's it's getting a final season that fans have wanted for a very long time, about eight years now, um, but now seem to be the right time. And of course, I'm talking about Dexter. Everyone's favorite serial killer is coming back one more time to get the closure that us fans definitely wanted want him to have so um it's supposed to uh come out around fall of this year and on showtime again you know where that's where its home's been for the first eight seasons but and it's coming for a 10 episode limited season and it's it's awesome because it's coming back with one of the original showrunners who was around in the first few seasons that's back when dexter was at its prime clyde phillips is coming in to help and the reason why Michael C. Hall, who plays Dexter, um, decided to do, to do it now is because the script apparently is so unique and just, it's gonna be worth it. He, they, everyone is telling and hyping up to the fans that you are going to be so excited and this will give you the closure um, for, you know, for those that have watched Dexter. The series ends, I don't wanna spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it ends abruptly in a way that just upset so many people, including myself. So the fact that we are going to get some closure for Dexter for one more season, um, his villain in this is going to be Clancy Brown. Uh, Clancy Brown is pretty great at playing villainous roles. We know, guy, I know, Mr. We, Krabs. You, you see him as Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob, but he's also the he's the bad guy in the Shawshank Redemption. He's really good at playing villainous roles, so it's going to be really cool yep. to see Dexter. One of the henchmen in Flubber. Yep. <laughs> I didn't think that Flubber would ever enter this podcast, but yes. <laughs> Flubber's a great movie. Anything by Robin Williams is up for grabs. <laughs> but it's just, Clancy Brown is a, is a titan that I want to see Dexter get matched up against. So I'm really excited. I know a lot of fans out there are really happy for this Um so that's my number four. Dexter is getting its final season that we want. That's exciting. The only thing I'll correct you on, Dave, is that Dexter is not my favorite serial killer. It's Mikey from the uh, from the Life commercials because uh, he he kills a bowl of Life cereal every time, man. So uh, he's my even... favorite serial killer. Uh, Shantae, you're number three. Uh, my number three is. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we're just gonna skip right over that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> My number three is Handmaid's Tale season four. Handmaid's Tale fans in the house, anybody? Oh yeah. What's that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm kidding, you guys don't watch it? I don't know. No. Oh, uh, it's pretty you, dark. I, it's pretty disturbing. I mean, I I tried watching it with a friend of mine, and like she couldn't even stomach it it's a lot of um eh, it's it's pretty graphic but it's it's uh it's good uh, patriarchy well yeah that's disturbing in a whole nother way but there's just a lot of um uh like sexual assault and and those sort of scenes which i know is not probably grabbing viewers but it really is this like kind of slow burn of a of a revolution and it's in it <laughs> I feel empowered now that we're kind of getting past a lot of the trauma that was um, there, but it, it, 
nonetheless, it's a great story. The last season ended with a big cliffhanger again, where you just feel like finally we are making money moves. So I'm excited. <laughs> uh, there's no release date. And it was actually supposed to come out last year, but COVID pushed filming. So I'm, I'm still hoping it comes out this year, but it's kind of, it's still TBD. Nice. You know, I, I might try to get into that. I think because TV series now are like less episodes per season, it's not as daunting to get caught up on a show. So I, I hear a lot yeah. of good things about Handmaid's Tale. So, you know, I might go check you that out. You trusted me with Euphoria and, and you have yourself a new favorite show. Trust I me. I really enjoyed one. Euphoria. Our, and our yeah. podcast team loves uh, Elizabeth Moss. So that's right. That's true. <laughs> one of our early, one of our uh, episodes in, uh, too much screen time beta which was like <laughs> literally over a year ago uh that you may never hear unless you become a patreon supporter if we ever have a patreon <laughs> one day i think in that uh, episode we said her full name maybe uh-huh. ten thousand times 1700 <laughs> times yeah. elizabeth moss her smell her smell was the phone that we reviewed but oh um yeah so my number three is a film i literally found out about two days ago uh, they they had a uh, a spot for this film in the Super Bowl, um, and so it was, it was a Super Bowl commercial about this film. It's by um, a controversial film director, um, but one who uh, has constantly and consistently surprised me uh, over and over again throughout uh, his his long-running career. I mean, this is the guy who brought to you I See Dead People. This is the guy who brought to you uh, a va- like a super understated but amazing superhero origin story, which he then followed up by a surprise superhero trilogy. Of course, I'm talking about M. Night Shyamalan and his uh, film coming out called Old. Here's all they have for the synopsis, it says this, this summer, visionary filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan unveils a chilling, mysterious new thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. So that just sounds... They, they may have already given away too much, but that sounds super exciting. Um, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, one of the things I love about his film release is that he's found a way to like drum up a lot of like secrecy, which I feel like really builds up the anticipation around like the like the the release of his films. I think that kind of his return to form, if you will, which was The Visitor or The Visit, The Visit um, a few years ago, uh, which came after the horrendous, Avatar: The Last Air or The Last Airbender, Never horrendous. Happened. Never happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 what? <laughs> Wait, what was the film? Oh, there's there's a blank spot in history. I can't think of it. But anyway, no. Um, but his follow up, like, kind of just came out of nowhere. Like there was like maybe a trailer or two, and then boom, it was there. So I'm excited about this. Uh, hopefully, this is something that uh, we'll be able to see very soon. So, um, oh, actually, there is a release date, July 23rd, 2021. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see that real soon. That's my number three. Nice. Um, so my number three is also coming out in July. Um, this is probably going to compete with old um, A24 film called The Green Knight. So, uh, you know, right when they released this trailer, which feels like a year ago um, when they released this trailer, I was blown away it immediately gave me Ari Aster vibes. I got Hereditary mixed with um, Midsummer vibes like throughout this trailer, um, but it's like medieval and it's like dark, gritty, um, just this really interesting style with Dev Patel as the lead. You know, I'm just like all for it. Um, Joel Egerton's in it as well. Um, Alicia uh, Vikander's in it as well. Joel Egerton, I said, Sean Harris, um, just anything Sean Harris touches, like he could just, I, I just want him to like be my Siri voice. Cause he has just the most intense voice. If you guys know from mission impossible, he plays like the main villain in the new mission impossible. His voice is just so menacing and he, his voice is over the trailer in this movie, in this 
trailer and I'm just like blown away. I'm like so invested. So uh, there's very little plot um, that they've released already. It just says it's a fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Um, so that's like all we know, but I am all for it. You guys can see this trailer. Yeah. I'm really excited about this film too. I think this was in my top 10. Uh, this is one of those like films that I was looking at. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot this is coming out. This looks really, really great. Um, you know, I, I think, so it's directed by David Lowry of, it's funny, he's done a, a number of great films, but the one that always comes to me because I think it, it's, it's stuck with me to this day is A Ghost Story. Uh, that was that film with the Casey Affleck. I don't know if y'all saw it and he dies in like an accident or something like that. And then winds up haunting the house where he and his wife played by uh, Rini Mara um, live. And so it's a, it's, but it's like, again, really understand, understated, much more of an emotional feel to it. So I think that's what I'm really excited about for this story. I remember having to, I remember having to read Sir Gawain and the Green Knight in like high school. I don't have, I don't remember a thing about what happens in it, but I think that with such an interesting um story and the fact that they he, that he casts you know dev patel this brown actor to play this this you know titular uh sir gawain who is an english character that's something i'm really excited about so um i think this is going to be a really great film so yeah thanks for bringing it up alex but i think what, one of the things i'm realizing as we go through this is that every, everybody's like submissions are now on my list of most anticipated things because of the way y'all talk about it. So it's, it's really exciting. Uh, now, Dave, your number three was already said, right? Correct. And what was it again? Suicide Squad. Nice. The Suicide the. Squad. Make, make sure we separate because I can agree with you, Alex, that Suicide Squad is definitely not one of the better movies of um, DC's extended universe. I can give you that one. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean so, it's trash i said <laughs> is that what you're saying? It's trash? i said i said it wasn't as good as the other dc uh extended universe films i never said it was trash <laughs> you say trash on this podcast one more time <laughs> it's trash oh my god <laughs> i just think that alex just doesn't like dc films okay I'll i want you. to believe me i want to so I'm, bad i'm gonna send you a whole bunch of the animated films and content that you can watch because you are missing out my friend they've been doing it right since 1992 so <laughs> sorry that was really funny <laughs> he knows the year all right let's move on <laughs> yeah uh all right shante you're number two number two very anticipated film uh, three days out who knows when this will go out to the world but as of today three days until the release date and that is Judas and the Black Messiah um, Let's go. I know it's gonna come out I think in theaters and HBO Max is yep. what it looks right. like it's part okay, of the hybrid cool. method they're doing sweet um the star is help, help me say this it's Daniel Kaluuya 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 uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Jesse Plemons. This is a true story. Let's see. Let me pull up my little description here. IMDb says the story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal of FBI informant William O'Neill. And honestly, if I had just read that online, I don't know how captivated I'd be. I'd just be like, oh, okay, it's interesting. But this trailer pulls you in. I've watched the trailer, I mean, at least a dozen times. And I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm honestly a little surprised myself this is on my list because to be honest with you guys, I tend to stay away from movies about racial injustice or stories of that. I'm just hyper sensitive that sensitive mm -hmm. to them i'm biracial and it's really hard for me to leave the movie and not completely like obsess over the injustice and it just uh i feel like i deal with that a lot already so like film can sometimes mess with me but i do think that this is uh, a film that i am gonna see it doesn't look like there's um some of the like i get when i see like lynchings and i just you know whipping stuff like that I just got to choose to 
not watch them. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of that, um, but I'm sure there's plenty of injustice. We'll see. I do think it's an important film, um, especially nowadays, to see. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, think I, I haven't seen a lot of films that give us the angle of what was going on with our own government at the time of these injustice, injustices. So I'm really curious. I've heard a lot about how um, the CIA, the FBI were behind a lot of the assassinations or um, just different things in the civil rights movement to take them down, especially from the inside. So I'm excited to see a, a film that I feel like is gonna do the story justice. Rotten Tomatoes has a 98% on it. So I have really high hopes for it. Yeah, Shante, this is this is one of those films where I said at the top that I was purposely avoiding the ones that were like very popular, and I, it was very hard for I almost broke my my rule with this one because I think one just seeing the trailer and um, you know with Daniel Kaluuya and who's a British actor who like is is just embodying the the character of Fred Hampton. This is a very you know famous. Um, story f famous you know un unfortunate unfortunately tragedy if you will within American history and, and, and especially in, in the struggle for uh, civil rights and, and within the black power movement within our country and so I, I think that the what is probably there's one of the things I love about like film and art and culture and history and their intersection is this is just the way that like the timing of things almost seem like divinely ordained if you will for like to to really have a powerful impact i mean here we are literally a month and a few days after this huge insurrection that took place on the capitol and so the 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 fears of the government that led them to assassinating figures like Fred Hampton, figures like Huey Newton, figures like, you know, other, you know, a number of Black Panthers, especially with the Black Panther movement, they, they saw this, this group as this offshoot militia that threatened democracy and systematically took the, these people down, despite the fact that there has never been, you know, like a recorded like insurrection or, 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 you know, violent, um, you know, uh, exchange that has been attributed to these groups, but they systematically took out these groups when literally a month ago, knowing for, for years that like this kind of groups like the Proud Boys and these like militia groups were, were building up, like our fears were realized in that moment. And like seeing just the, exactly what you said, Shantae, like the 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 injustice the disparity in the amount of justice and 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 understanding and and, and like yeah just that, that that's given to these different groups of people is one of the things that is is so astounding and it's something that I'm really excited to see being portrayed here so this is this, this couldn't have come at a greater moment and I'm really excited to see uh Judas and the you know Judas and the Black Messiah as well it looks like with everything that, I mean, we're recording this in February. So with Oscar, with uh, the Oscars around the corner, this seems like a film that, um, at least with um, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, he's probably going to, if not, not be nominated, he's going to win uh, Best Supporting Actor. It just seems like that's the projection with him recently getting a Golden Globe nomination for this. A lot of hype is really being put around his performance. So I'm excited if this is going to be... Um, his Oscar, his Oscar film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I guess it's me for my number two. And my number two is a film that is definitely TBA. It, it was, it was said to be hopefully to be released this year, but just the little research that I've, that I've done into this, I have, it'd be miraculous if it came out this year, but if it does, I am really, really excited about it. It's uh, George Miller's follow-up to The Amazing Mad Max Fury Road, which many say is the best film of the decade, of, of the decade that it came out, the best film of the 2010s. 
Um, and it's a film called 3000 Years of Longing. This is a film that I literally found out about today. And when I saw that it stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton, um, and it's and it's directed by George Miller. Uh, I I was like I I have to see this. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of the, the plot synopsis here. It says a lonely and bitter British woman discovers an ancient bottle while on a trip to Istanbul, and unleashes a jinn or a genie, who offers her three wishes. Filled with apathy, she is unable to come up with one of with with a wish until his stories spark in her a desire to be loved. So just reading how George Miller describes what he's trying to do with this film, like it's, he says it's a two-hander, which is basically a film that is kind of, you know, held by two lead performances or two lead actors um, or or characters, if you will. But despite it being a two-hander, he has this really epic idea around how to capture the story. Some of the different filming locations, it's being filmed in Turkey, it's being in Australia, um, uh, the the, the UK. So there are all these uh, different locations where it's gonna be filmed. Um, It's something that the story alone sounds super, super enticing. And uh, I think that in the hands of a, you know, a master worker in, in filmmaking, uh, I'm really excited to see what this film is going to be about. So that's my number two, 3,000 Years of Longing. And my number two is Dune. Um, coming out on October 1st, 2021. Um, so I've, I haven't read the book. I tried reading it. I got about like 10 pages in and uh, it was a snooze fest. However, I, I was told <laughs> You're gonna upset book, a lot of people every time you say something. <laughs> oh, totally. And that's, that's totally fine. Hey man, I'm, I'm not here to please everybody. I'm here to be myself. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was a snooze fest. I couldn't get through it. However, um, I've been told that it's, you know, a science fiction piece of art. It's one of the greatest size science fiction pieces of all time. Um, I'm excited to see, what Denny is going to do. You know, he's the director. Um, I, I watched a little panel that uh, was hosted by Stephen Colbert where they had the cast members on and they had Denny on as well to talk about the film, talk about the trailer and just hearing them talk about it. It just seems like nothing has been attempted on this scale in terms of uh, actual film production. Um, you know, obviously Denny is just like, one of the best filmmakers of our time. He is a remark. He has a remarkable eye, a remarkable cinematography. Knows how to how to carry a franchise. Knows how to bring things to the big screen that normally just would not would not go well. Um, so obviously, Dune has been attempted to be adapted um, a while back, uh, back in the '80s, I believe. Um, however, I'm very very excited to see this movie the trailer blew me away it just seems like it's on this mega mega scale like game of thrones meets space you know it just seems it's on another level led by timothy chalamet uh you got stars like josh brolin jason momoa rebecca ferguson zendaya javier bardem dave batista oscar isaac i'm just so excited to see this film that was my number one I am so curious. And this is one of the ones I'm hoping we're all vaccinated by the time it comes out because I want to see this one in theaters. This is a yeah. film that's meant to be seen in theaters for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's why there was so much controversy around Warner Brothers announcing that they were going to release it on their streaming service. Um, I, I mean, Denny was very, very upset. And like, I mean, he has every reason to be upset. He's worked so lo- so long and hard on this film. And Warner Brothers is like, oh, uh, you know, we're going to just release it on our streaming service. And he's very old school. And he's like, no, this needs to be on the silver screen. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of controversy about that announcement. But hopefully COVID is <laughs> at, a, at a decent spot, if not almost eradicated, <laughs> so that we could see this in, in the theaters. I'm really excited for Dune. I'm also excited just because of, its, of, of, of the history of trying to develop this right. book into a movie there like that is if you want to like just spend about go down a rabbit hole for a day like look look into like the the history of trying to adapt 
dude into film there was a 1980 as you mentioned alex was a 1980s um adaptation done by david lynch who's a who's a, a great you know uh, very unique filmmaker uh, today, but there was one that was uh, attempted by Alejandro Jodorowsky. And if you know anything about his his films, like it, it's so I, th- there are so many people who are like, man, we what if if there's if this were to exist in a parallel universe, that would be so crazy. But what's interesting is that when I think about Alejandro Jodorowsky and Denis Villeneuve, like I feel like there are touches between these two directors that kind of tie them together. And I feel like this is a chance to kind of redeem the the the, the lost opportunities to make this product something really great. And I, and, and I, I really do feel like Denis Villeneuve is the one to, to bring it up, uh, to, to, to do it justice. So yeah, I'm, I'm equally as excited for this as you all. All right, Dave, you're number two. My number two, I was really excited to talk about this one. I think uh, yeah, I'm just going to dive right into it. So this is a film that it's another one of those long awaited films that fans that love the franchise that it's coming from are going to be so excited. So it's a prequel to the masterpiece that is The Sopranos. This is The Many Saints of Newark that is coming out uh, September 24th, um, doing the dual theaters and HBO Max method. But I mean, once I heard that it's that it, we're doing a Sopranos prequel, I was all in. So The Sopranos, you know, it's it's listed by a lot of people as like the the best show that ever that has come, and it's I mean it's revolutionary in a lot of ways. And I think what made The Sopranos so special was that it wasn't just a gangster show, but it actually it brought in spiritual elements. It dealt with dreams. It dealt with the subconscious. Um, it dealt with Tony's anxiety and his vulnerability. And it really ushered in that protagonist that wasn't a hero like we're used to, but someone that um, we could really, I don't know. It, we weren't, we weren't, yeah, he's, it was a protagonist that wasn't like a hero, that, but we've seen that later in shows like Breaking Bad, right? But so I was really excited about that. I think just to kind of give you what it is. So it's going to be following Tony back in the 60s before he's this established um, gangster that we get in when, when the Sopranos debuts. But what's really cool about it is that um, Michael Gandolfini, James Gandolfini's son, is actually going to be playing young Tony Soprano, which is really cool. You know, James Gandolfini uh, fortunately passed way too soon due to a heart attack. And there's so, there were so many stories that he was unable to tell. So it's really cool that his son is stepping up in this way to be able to um, honor his father. And they're bringing back David Chase, who's the original showrunner. So I know they wouldn't do it wrong or David Chase wouldn't be involved, right? He's the one that I trust bringing in the reins to this to this film. So yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait to see it. It's gonna be really cool. And my number one most anticipated film is Candyman. Uh, it's coming out hopefully this year. It has, uh, it's slated to be released on August 27, 2021. It's directed by Nia DaCosta, which is really uh, exciting to see um, a, a black female director on this film. Um, and it stars, you know, my guy, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who played, uh, I'm just gonna say he played Cal in uh, Calvin in uh, Watchmen, 2019's Watchmen. Um, has Tayona Paris, who uh, was in If Bill Street Could Talk. She was in um, Chirac, the, the, the Spike Lee film. She's in um, WandaVision. Uh, she, play, she plays a, a character in WandaVision, so she's showing up in this as well. So this is one of those films where I'm purposely, I don't want to know anything going in. So I've avoided the trailer. I, I can't give you much of a of a of a plot synopsis except beyond except that it, it follows a character um an urban legend character named Candyman, who i think was the son of like was the murdered son of slaves who like haunts and kills children so there's you know if there's anything that is more horrifying it's it's you know a you know, it, it, it's the boogeyman kind of come to life. But what I really love about this film, what I'm really excited about is 
knowing what the director is aiming to tackle is aiming to talk about with this film now we all know that horror horror is a horror and science fiction are genres of film that are not only entertaining for what they are but are also great vehicles for um for 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 social commentary they're great vehicles for um powerful commentary about what's going on in our society um and so this is absolutely what this is at the heart of this film. I want to read a quote to you from the director who tweeted about this um, on uh, about about this film. It says Candyman at the intersection of white violence and black pain is about unwilling martyrs, the people they were, the symbols we turned them into, the monsters we are told they must have been. And so I think that just, you know, again, this takes place in Chicago um, in a projects in, in Chicago that has, because of gentrification, it no longer uh, exists. It's something that, you know, um, was home to thousands of people and, has, and no longer exists within the city. Now, we know that in Chicago, there's a lot of other issues, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, violence and, and a lot of, uh, especially within, um, many of the black neighborhoods within Chicago. So I'm really excited for something that's gonna be set there. It's probably gonna take on uh, a, a lot of those issues, but again, also talk about the ways in which kind of systemic racism have led to these conditions. Um, so I am, yeah, I'm really excited for this film and I look forward to seeing it, Candyman. Yeah, I feel like I, it was written by Jordan Peele. So after- Wait, I forgot, he's producing Did you know it. that? I, I I knew that he was producing it. I didn't know he wrote it though, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, that's what it says here that he wrote it. So I, I think I'm expecting like a twist or turn after his last few films. I'm hoping he. I trust that he'll get creative with it. Is my point. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Alex. What's your number one? Hmm. So my number one. Um, I'm just going to dive right in is no time to die. Um, James Bond. So that's my actual number one, but I, as I said, <laughs> I, I, I left it off purposely, but yeah. James Bond has left active service. His peace is short lived when Felix Leiter, an old friend from the CIA turns up asking for help, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who is a remarkable filmmaker. Um, some of his recent works as a director, um, True Detective, Beasts of No Nation, Maniac, which is an incredible series, mini series on, on Netflix that I absolutely loved. Um, and now he's doing uh, No Time to Die. And guys, I am just so excited. The cast, come on, like... Rami Malek playing the villain coming off of a stellar Oscar, um, Oscar win, Anna de Armas, Daniel Craig, Lashana Lynch, Christoph Waltz, the, the list goes on of just these incredible well-known actors who you know and trust um, to deliver a great performance. Um, that The trailer is just so jam-packed with action. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. This movie, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this movie. Um, they had a lot of rewrites. They had a lot of reshoots. They uh, juggled different directors in the pre-production phase. Um, and a lot of different people dropped out. So they've had a lot of hands, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, which kind of worries me a little bit. However, um, uh, I don't know. I think I'm just honestly, I think my excitement is overweighing the red flags that have come about during the pre-production. This is Daniel Craig's you know, swan song. I am so excited to see his last performance. He's my favorite James Bond. Um, I love Sean Connery's Bond. I love Pierce Brosnan, like Roger Moore. Yeah, for sure. But Daniel Craig is my all-time favorite. And so to see this, it's going to be the end of an era for me. Um, but I'm excited to see how they uh, just kind of close up his storyline and maybe they'll be passing the torch. Who knows? Um Lashana Lynch has been rumored to be taking over the 007 uh, persona, the role um, with the license to kill. However, I want to see who who's going to be the new actor to play the character James Bond in the next films to come. So um, I'm excited to see Rami Malek be the villain and his uh, his good performance. So 
um, that is my number one. Nice. I, I, you know, I don't know if I've shared this with you all already, but I have an obsession with trying to pick who the next James Bond is. Like I, I literally will spend, you know, like when I, whenever I, whenever I'm like actively searching, I spend a good hour looking through IMDb, like looking at uh, filmography and all that kind of stuff of different British actors or not just British, but like different actors who could play that role. And so I'm sad to see Daniel Craig go, but like I, it's, it's such a fun exercise. I have some of my hopes. They're like, they're a little bit on the older side now because back when Daniel right. Craig said that the last film was going to be yeah. his last one. That's what I have uh, issues with. Right. So I, I was like, dang it. But like, Hey, Roger Moore was 40 when he played James Bond for the first time. And so, you know, and if, if they go in this direction where they're going to have kind of like him and, and, and honestly, like, I feel like this is the direction it needs to go in because James Bond is a very controversial figure and I'm and, and in a kind of in the post me too era in, in an era where we're talking a lot more about like you know uh we're, we're trying to fight against the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff like James Bond has a lot of like vestiges of those of those things right this is a guy who like takes advantage of women to get answers and has left a lot of dead women like kind of killed by violent men um in his wake you know just because like he you know there's there'll be a scene where he needs to get some information and he'll sleep with this girl or this woman and her boyfriend is the villain and he kills her and then he and then James Bond kind of like shakes it off and rolls on to the next thing. Like so, like I I love James Bond movies. That has always been one of the critiques that I have. And so I'm interested in a, in in a direction moving forward with it, where he kind of takes on this mentor role to whoever comes to fill in the 007 slot. And maybe that could be what James Bond films are like in the future. He is teamed up with some somebody who really causes him to like challenge his his uh, misogynistic ways of viewing the world so yeah I feel like I'm half pitching to you guys a segment called confession time with Shantae and it'll yeah. be all the times that you guys reference classic movies and then ba-bow, I've never seen it James Bond <laughs> being one of them I've never seen a single James Bond movie oh my god and that my friends was confession time with Shantae <laughs> That's, I think we've inaugurated a new section, guys. I don't know about you all. I think we have. Yep. <laughs> so concerning, I didn't think that, concerning James Bond, I didn't think that this film was going to be made for the longest time. I was, I was also under the impression that Daniel Craig, I mean, he literally said something to the effect of he would rather like cut his wrist than play James Bond again. Right. Something like that in an interview. So the fact that he came back for one last, that paycheck must have been like <laughs> something, that he, <laughs> something that he couldn't say no to. Um, because, I mean, he's getting older. I don't want to speak to him personally because I don't know him, but it is a very demanding role. I mean, you, you see a lot of the, the stunts that the guy has to run up a crane <laughs> his first, in his first uh, outing in Casino Royale. So I was actually, I was surprised that this movie um, was going to be made. I think that Spectre is definitely... Uh, that in Quantum of Solace are the least, my least favorite of um, Daniel Craig's outing. I think they don't hold a candle to Casino Royale and Skyfall. I think that this has a really great supporting cast for, uh, for Bond to shine. So I am really excited about that. And like you said, the filmmaker is really good, but like you, like you also said, I'm, I'm worried about this film. I, I'm excited for it, but I hope I'm not let down. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I won't be let down and I'm ready for a new James Bond. I think that Tom Hiddleston would make a great James Bond myself. I would, would. I would love to see Tom Hiddleston. I think he, I watched him in the limited series, The Night Manager. Um, it came out in 2016. He has the wit, the charm. Uh, um, he, he, he proved to me in that series that he can do a leading man's role. So I would love to see someone like Tom Hiddleston uh, and, he's, and, he's, and he's English. So if we're doing like 
you know, traditional James Bond, Scottish English. Um, I would, I would, my, my votes for Tom Hiddleston right now. See, you know, here's the thing. Go ahead, something. Sorry. Sorry, I was gonna say I've never seen it, but I understand the um, concept of James Bond. I'm pretty sure. I think John David Washington would be a good James Bond. Interesting. So it's funny. A lot of people are saying that like Tenet is Christopher Nolan's James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. So ah. like, well, would you look at that? I know, right? So he's <laughs> kind of just play of that character. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so here's the thing about Tom Hiddleston playing James Bond. Again, this is um, my, you're talking to an amateur uh, James Bond caster here. Um, the role of James Bond has always been portrayed by an actor who really is, was not well known outside of James Bond. Like they, they, had, they had like a lot of really good, great, like, like, British either TV or British like films like a role here and there for example Pierce Brosnan played the the mom's boyfriend in Mrs. Doubtfire before taking on James Bond like in Goldeneye so but like they they don't really have a huge like following prior to this I feel like Tom Hiddleston is too big I feel like any like Tom like people say Tom Hardy or Tom Hiddleston or uh, you know, some other in, some other Tom, famous, exactly. Some other and <laughs> insert other famous British guy here. And I'm like, they're too famous. You need someone like, you guys ready? Uh, John David Washington. No, he's too famous. He's too famous now because he's, he's only done one movie, two movies. You need someone like Max Brown. Who's, Who's that? that? Exactly. <laughs> you need someone like JJ Field. Who's that? Right into your trap. Exactly. <laughs> JJ Field actually, he he was in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. He was one of the one of the guys um, that what that ran around with Captain America in the war. But that's what you need. Anyway, I I'm done ranting. But, <laughs> no, uh, I would agree with you. Been, I mean, we'll yeah. see if Marvel will even let Tom Hiddleston even audition for James Bond. You know, they Marvel owns Tom Hiddleston now, especially with the exactly. Loki series coming out he's probably going to play a, a bigger and bigger role in phase five. So I doubt he'll have any free time. Um, I think Dave, we have your number one to, my, to, to hear from. My number one. Um, it's, it's shaping to be an epic showdown like no other Marvel. We talk about Marvel, you know, they just keep coming up with hits and the amount of vision that um, the writers and the, just the creators of Marvel have, is unlike anything I've ever seen. So my number one uh, most anticipated project of 2021 is the untitled Spider-Man 3 that will be coming out hopefully in December. It comes out, it's scheduled for December 17th. Talk about the hype around this, uh, this film. So it looks like Marvel's phase four is setting up for a multiverse um, yeah, it's just setting up for a, a, a multiverse like we've never seen before. It's You have WandaVision that's leading directly into Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is the going to be called the multiverse of madness. Doctor Strange is going to be a mentor to uh, Peter Parker in this Spider-Man. And oh, wow. yeah, and you already Which have- some, how it's supposed to be. Right. And you already have some casting wow. announcements that have come out. And I'm sure by the time this is um recorded there's going to be even more so we have the amazing spider-man's um jamie fox's electro is crossing over to this film to play electro you have sam raimi's spider-man villain who is in my opinion the best villain that spider-man has seen thus far alfred molina's portrayal of dr otto octavius so you have three generations of spidey films coming for this um coming for this film and uh, there's a lot of speculation you know we've heard uh, green goblin has been shown on set another rumor so they could be i know i know they could be setting up this huge multiverse sinister six which is a supervillain team you know it's led by doc ock it features electro mysterio vulture who we've seen in spider-man homecoming Right. Um, Sandman, Scorpion. right. Sandman, who is also there um, in Raimi's Spider-Man 3. 
Um, it's Craven the Hunter, but he was in the original. So, but they could easily put another one of these villains and make the Sinister Six. But a multiverse Sinister Six, that's pretty epic. And if Tom Holland has to fight, oh, and I also said I missed Mysterio. Mysterio, who was the villain in Far From right. All. Uh, so if you have Tom Holland fighting all of these villains and you have three different Spidey franchises, my guy's going to need some help. And it could, it's heavily rumored that joining Tom Holland is Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire suiting back up again. Again, a lot of this is speculation so far, rumors. Um, we haven't had any official sources yet, but we at least know that Electro and Doc Ock are coming in. So we're already cutting across uh, the multiverse and two other Spidey franchises. So all of that to say, Spider-Man, the untitled Spider-Man 3, coming out in December is shaping up to be, in my opinion, the most epic film of the year. Well, there you go, guys. That was our top five most anticipated film and TV shows of, uh, of 2021. We have a lot of really great things to look forward to. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Too Much Screen Time. Thank you for listening to Too Much Screen Time. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TMScreenTime or email us at TMScreenTime at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So in the meantime, keep watching those screens.